You know what I've had to get used to doing <laughs> now that we're recording? I have to edit out my little, like, recording kablam noise <laughs> because I feel like it's just so random. Like, when I hit the record button on this, like, I edit out, like, whatever sound I make when I hit record. Oh, I never noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, have you gone back to listen to our other podcasts? I have. I don't, I don't know how I missed that. I, um, I only listen to them when I edit them. I don't listen to them after I'm done editing. Like, I can't. I've already listened to it once, and I've heard it. It's done. Yes, but I've listened to it once all the way through and heard all of my nonsense. To listen to it twice all the way through and listen to all of my nonsense, I don't think I could handle. I'm going to have to go back and listen for the noise, though. Now I'm curious. I I cut the noise out. Oh. Well, you shouldn't have mentioned it. (laughs) Well, I mentioned it because I realize that that's what I do after I said kablam when I hit record but that's not going to make sense now because when I edit this part of the podcast that kablam won't be in there either all right I guess I'm just saying a good thing it's okay (laughs) um but so I'd like to welcome our wonderful listeners to what is this episode four four Four. fuck we're at four we're at four Shannon We've been doing this for almost a month. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you remember how we were talking about freaking out earlier? Uh-huh. Um, I'm freaking out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But this is crazy. But um, I'm very excited because now we are on um, eight different platforms, which mm-hmm. is really cool. We still have... A couple waiting approval which blows my mind because apparently we are going to be located anywhere podcasts are that's that's pretty big news it is pretty big news um we have and thank you big old shout out to my good buddy derek for giving us our very first review on apple podcasts um, he gave us a five-star review and told you how awesome we are. So don't let us toot our own horns too much. Take Derek's word for it. Um, or put but, your own word in. Oh, yes. Please praise us. <laughs> I can handle negative feedback, but um, please praise us. That almost sounds like I want you to worship me and Shannon, but I really don't. I just want you to give us five-star reviews because when you do five-star reviews, it pushes our podcast up on lists and makes us more noticeable to other listeners. So if you like us, share us with your friends, give them a good old giggle, and um, help boost our like reach because we would love to be able to reach more people to help them. But Absolutely. as I'm saying this and we're – however minutes into recording welcome to partners in light the podcast where we talk about all things intuitive and energetic and whatever word you want to talk about for healing and other jedi mind trick nonsense (laughs) i'm kelly voorhees from a guiding light and i'm shannon smith from sns wellness and today we have a very fun topic that we're talking about we're talking about how we realized and 
how it kind of clicked for us that energy work works. Mm -hmm. As I'm looking at my face in this and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so puffy. Like it's really bothering me. <laughs> I was wondering what you were looking at. <laughs> I'm looking at my face and it's just. So I, I, actually, I think that's, that's actually a good a good way to indicate that you know something's working. I think it is. So I, man, it's crazy to think about, cause I look at my pictures from before I had my walk-in removed and like now, and it's night and day, night and day. Like I said, this is when you do energy work, you know when something's wrong in your body. And it's one of those things where sometimes you don't realize that it's wrong right away. And then later on you realize that it's not right. So, um, I'm, I don't know. I think it's really interesting to kind of start thinking about how energy works. Like, um, man, it's crazy. The shifts I've seen in my own body. It's crazy. The shifts I've seen in my life and with people I've already worked with and even how my healing and my clearing has affected my family mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like the most notice noticeable noticeable mm -hmm. noticeable english is hard um the most noticeable person that it affected as soon as my walk-in was removed was actually my sister like the shift that happened was boom, immediate. Like our relationship went from like where we would talk to each other and then eventually just get really pissed at each other and walk away to the point where we talk to each other and not, I'm not gonna say don't get triggered because there are moments I still do, mm -hmm. but there's not this like weird underlying like energetic tension, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. The, the tension, a lot of times you could cut it with a knife if you're yeah. not, if you don't know how to navigate it. Um, I, I don't have any siblings, but I, I have realized that I relate just to people in general much mm -hmm. differently than I did before. I've always been a, just a very patient, easygoing, go with the wind and just see how things turn out type of person. Yeah. But I think my patience, my compassion, my understanding, my um, kind of just level of awareness of how I present myself to people and then yeah. how I react to them reacting to me is just it's completely changed for one it's improved i have much yeah. better and stronger interactions and relationships with people but i also can relate more because i'm more understanding of how an interaction between two people can kind of balance out energetically so if someone's really high you don't want to combat that with a high like you want to combat that with a neutral response yeah just being able to kind of navigate situations so you don't always escalate things. Mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been really valuable kind of like in, in just daily life. 
Yeah. Because you see, you see it happening and you can kind of cut it off before it gets to a head most of the time. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things too is it changes. I don't want to say how I respond to things, but I'm much more aware of what's happening. Yes. Like, man, there used to be conversations where I would just spiral for days. Yeah. Like literal days. Like I, I, I'm, I'm very open about my life now and I've always been very open about my, my life in general. Like I don't really like secrets. I feel like they're gritty and gross. And so it's one of those things where I don't typically keep them well. So if you need to tell me a secret and it's not something that I think is something that's really like secretive, I'm really bad at keeping that secret. Like, if you tell me you ate the last cookie, don't tell anybody. Of course I'm going to rat you out for eating the last cookie. That's not, like, but if you're telling me something that's related to your healing in that process, I can keep that confidential like a boss. Yeah. But I don't, I don't like to keep secrets about my own life. Like, that doesn't feel authentic for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize what that meant in terms of, like, energy healing and moving through things. Like, it used to be, um, I would tell people, so I would tell exes like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with right now. And it's not really a you thing. It's very much a me thing, but I don't know how to fix it. So if I act like a bitch, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to stop myself from going into that like bitch mode because I was insecure about something I was spiraling on. That mm-hmm. had nothing to do with them and everything to do with my own issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's part of the thing that works so well about energy healing is I think it makes you much more self-aware. Absolutely. Like whenever I talk to anybody about what I do, I don't describe it as like, oh, I just can do it. It's no, I know myself very well and I know how my body reacts to certain things and this is how I know what I can and can't do or what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So like the, the, so there's actually a couple, I guess a couple of things like I wanted to say. Um, So I think the ability to be in a situation and not, not have that strong reaction, but really be, the independent observer and see both sides of what's going on Mm -hmm. that has been invaluable for me because it helps me take a step back and think okay what's really going on okay how do I feel about it okay how could the other person feel about it Mm -hmm. what is the non-emotional threatening way that I could now respond now that I've seen both sides or you know mm-hmm. a perception of both sides and that even if it is just a split second and be like take a step back take a breath recalibrate mm-hmm. that that helps because it helps diffuse the energy yeah but I also think um it can be hard for other people to respond if they don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. Because 
you know, they're on level 500 and you're not responding for a lot of people that can trigger them even more, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I've actually had happen. Um, Cause I was like, okay, so you're getting all puffed up for what reason again? And yeah, yeah they, they didn't like that. Um, yeah. So, so being able to kind of just stay neutral and, and level headed and yeah. let's see, what was my other point? I don't remember my other point. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think like, just to kind of add on that, like, I think you'll also become very aware of what people need you to do in situations. Um, one of the things that I used to do kind of before I did a lot of my energy work and energy healing is I used to immediately, when someone told me something was wrong, I used to go into fix it mode. Oh now I God. go into, now yeah. I go into what do you require mode or what do you need me to do? Like yeah. I had, like I work with students all day. Like that's my day job. And yeah. you know, I'll have a student come in and is like, I spent the last hour crying and I'm like, okay, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to share? Do you want to, what do you need me to do? And sometimes they're like, this is why I cried or no, I don't want to talk about why I cried. Let's just get to work. Okay, yeah. cool. Let me yeah. know what you need. And that's always been my style with my students. But when it came to my family and my friends, it was immediately, oh, you're telling me you have this problem, but I can't just sit here and listen to it. I have to do something to fix it. And mm -hmm. I used to do that. And I think that's why some of the relationship with my sister has improved so much is mm -hmm. we would both go into that fix it mode for each other. And now mm -hmm. it's just kind of like we can hold that space and then ask, what do you need from me? Yeah. And I think that is probably one of the biggest and coolest things that's come out of this. Like I do that for my brothers. Now I don't go into fix it mode. I go into what do you require mode? I still have this and my brothers will tell you, I still have this like very protective older sister thing where I still try to tell them like what to do and give unsolicited advice, mm -hmm. but I'm human and I do that. Yeah. But I think that's one of the big things like, Oh man, when you do your own healing and this is how I know energy work and healing work does is you recognize how to start being that invitation for healing for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I think I remember, well, so now I have another point, but I think I remember what I was going to say before. So the point for this is the, the relatability to other people and not coming in with the savior complex. I, I was the one that had all the answers. I was the one who came in and just fixed every situation. And it, it wasn't always by choice, which is kind of the difficult part mm -hmm. because it's like you do it a few times and you just get the pattern or you get the reputation. And by, by default, that then becomes your identity. Yeah. So it's been interesting peeling all of those layers back and saying, okay, no, this is not mine. I can jump in and out of this identity when I want to, or take this mask on and off. Yeah. But I don't have to be this full time. And that actually feels a lot lighter. It feels more freeing. Mm -hmm. But then interacting with the people who associate you with that identity, 
then becomes a little bit more of a, an interesting dance because it's, well, how come you're not jumping to my rescue or how come you're yeah. not coming to fix my issue or, you know, what, what have you. And it's being aware of how you need to now own your own energy and kind of honor and protect that. Mm-hmm. and hold the space if holding the space is in fact what that person needs but not jumping to a conclusion that you have to save or you have to yeah provide the answer because they might not actually need that that might be an imposition where they literally might just need to talk something out or they literally might just need someone to sit next to them and be quiet and not fix fix the, the issue or save the day so for for me, it was it was really re- realizing what response was my personal natural mm-hmm. response versus the one that had been projected on me, and that awareness has been huge. Yeah, I I, I really love that point. I think it's the right one of the things that I've had to do a lot of work with is. Um, removing the projections that people put on me for the identity because I used to wear them as my own. Like before I started doing energy work, I was, you know, I would be like, if people thought I was an asshole, okay, cool. I'm the asshole. Like if people thought I was being, you know, whatever, like the savior, the person who knew everything, the, the guru, which is one I get thrown at me a lot, especially at work. Like I, you know, both my parents work with technology. My brother does electrical and computer engineering. Like, so I know people who know how to fix computers, which compared to them, I don't know shit. But <laughs> because I know just enough, when I'm at work and we have some kind of computer problem, it's go get Kelly. She's the computer doer. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm not. Or, oh, I had one that triggered the heck out of me a few weeks ago. Um, someone once thought I was a goody two shoes. Hmm. Okay. And that one, I think that projection didn't fit because I was like, I don't like following rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't fit. Yeah. And so it like felt really grimy when they were like, when I first met you, I thought you were a goody two shoes. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I was like, I no, sir. And that's, he's, that person isn't the first person to tell me that. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, when you're aware of what people are putting on you, you get to be able to choose what you'll accept and what you don't. And I think that's, yep. that's, Oh, that's so huge to me. Yeah. So huge. Yeah. And that, so, okay. I, I remember my point. So it was the body as a radar system mm-hmm. and just kind of going along with, with filtering things for other people, being aware of what, energy is yours versus not being aware of what feelings, thoughts, emotions are yours or not Mm -hmm. is just the concept of us taking on things from others and treating them as our own. Like that was mind blowing for me Yeah, because I realized I had been doing that my entire life. Oh, me too. Me too. Like, what do you mean this isn't mine? Whose is it? Where does it come from? I don't want this anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that, it was, it really kind of struck me to my core because I was like, then who am I if not this? 
Yeah. It's been, it's been helpful because peeling back the layers, going through the emotions, like you realize how many things you suppress over the years, Mm. but it's freeing to release it because you realize it's not yours and was never yours to begin with. And that means that your body can then serve you and serve your purpose more, more accurately. Yeah. And say, no, this doesn't feel, feel good. Don't do it. Or yes, this feels amazing. Keep doing that. Or yes, this is a great opportunity. Pursue it. Like you can trust your body to back you up that much more when you do the work to clear out the suppressed emotions and clear out the identity that's not yours and, and all of that stuff. So that was I will, helpful. Yeah, I'll I'll say for that one, I have cried more doing all of this work than I think I've ever cried in my entire life. Oh but like, like, <laughs> and it's just like so one of the things that's crazy about all of this and that like I never really thought about is my family doesn't like show a lot of emotions like we're very contained with Mm. how we feel especially for those perceived negative emotions like we don't really show those outwardly we just kind of like bury them deep in our bodies and hope to god no one ever finds out that we were upset about something yeah but i think with doing all of this work it's brought all of that up and into my awareness so that i can clear it and move past it and i'm so much like I'm open with my emotions now. Like I used to not tell anyone how I felt like, yeah, I wouldn't tell you if I was mad. I wouldn't tell you if I was stressed. I would just shut down. Like if Mm -hmm. I had too much going on in my system, I just shut down. And like, it would get to the point where people who knew me really well could tell that I was upset. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't know me, you didn't know that anything was going on. Yep. And now yeah, it's like, the same way. exact same way. And now, now I can't control my face. Yeah. Oh yeah. Water, water works on, on command. I can't cry <laughs> not, on command. Not even on command. It's just, it comes when it comes. <laughs> like I had, oh man, I had a moment the other day I was hanging out with people and I was like, someone said something and all of a sudden like tears just started going down my face and it wasn't even anything like mean or upsetting. I just started to like cry and they looked at me and they go, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know what this is. (laughs) Like, I don't cry. Like I, I got very like, I'm now like, I'll talk to someone like, I fucking hate my, like, I hate this. Or, you know, I'm very upset about this or I don't like blah, 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 blah. And I'm, it's just, it's so much easier to be open and authentic. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's been a, a really, really big deal for me. Like just expressing emotions. So not necessarily like, crying because I'm sad or crying because I'm mad. Um, Like the physical expression, but also like the the vocal expression as well. Like literally just finding the words to try to explain how I feel Mm -hmm. and knowing, and this is, God, this is multi-layered. Like I can't even tell you how many layers this is, but (laughs) it's, 
knowing that I have an opinion that matters and, mm. and worth showing or, or telling or sharing with someone, let alone having an emotion attached to that, <laughs> to that thing to be shared. Mm -hmm. um, but like literally being okay with, okay, I am experiencing this. Yeah. I am going to give myself permission to experience it. And then I'm going to give myself permission to process and figure out why I'm experiencing it. And I might even talk about it. I might even share with someone what I'm going through, but like the process of letting it go, happy, mm -hmm. sad, indifferent, whatever, like that has been huge because I was, I've always been someone who you fell in line, you didn't complain, you didn't talk about your feelings, you follow the rules, you just did what you were told and everything would be fine. Yeah. I've you know, always been a great student, always a good athlete, always just fell in line, no issues. And if something was wrong, well, it wasn't wrong. <laughs> oh boy, do I feel that one. <sighs> but, with, but with that came, I had a moment in, um, in college where mm -hmm. I realized that I had some communication issues. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had, I felt like I had missed out on, I guess, just on some, some basic things of, of self-expression and communication. Yeah. And I felt myself like either being paralyzed or having outbursts. Ooh. Like if there was no in-between, because I didn't really know how to process. I just knew that I needed to get things out. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a trial and error of super passive aggressive. Don't say anything, just keep it to yourself. So I went through this cycle and I realized that the, like all of the suppressed communication kind of started to come out in, in college. Yeah. And over the years have worked through that, but now like, so the last couple of years with all the energy work and um, all the clearing, I am what well, I'm, well, I'll say this and I'll, jump backwards now I my filter is very very thin I am pretty okay stating my opinion on things uh -huh. I understand that I have an opinion and that it's okay to state that mm -hmm. <laughs> you can take it or leave it but I have one just like you do just like the next person and, and, and that's okay um and that there's no need to be afraid yeah because we're all entitled like we're, we're all here we all have mouths we all have voices we like it's okay um yeah and I, I've been in several situations where people made me think it wasn't okay so therefore I just interpreted it as okay well it's I don't have an opinion that's okay I'll just I'll suck it up and I'll deal with it and it'll just go away and things will be fine. But realizing now how many things I didn't say and how many situations I found myself in where I didn't have a voice and I felt powerless and couldn't speak up, what damage I, I've done to kind of the energetics mm -hmm. that I was dealing with and have had to uncover and peel back and clear 
over the last like couple of years it's been um it's just been really interesting seeing how we how we do that to ourselves but it's also been really nice to just get that the freedom to move and the freedom to yeah express because it's um there's no reason not to for sure i think the other thing too and i it's really interesting because there, there's a point that I want to make, but it kind of starts to transition into kind of a bit of a different topic. But it's been a lot easier for me to kind of stand in my own field and speak what I know to be my truth now that I don't have a walk-in. Yeah. Like, yeah. and if I'm honest, the removal of my walk-in is when I really, really, really honestly truly believed in this work like we had been in class for Wayshores one for like two almost three months when I had my session mm -hmm. and like I could do every like I could follow along with the energetics I could do the work but I didn't necessarily buy into the fact that I was going to make huge changes in people's life until I had my walk-in removed hmm. so what let's let's talk about like before and after so what was what was some of your life like before and then what were some of the changes after oh man so um i like to lovingly refer to myself before i had my walk-in removed as a basket case um <laughs> i had severe anxiety i had social anxiety i had generalized anxiety and i had ocd um, and I don't mean mild OCD. I had moderate to severe OCD. So mm -hmm. I had, um, I would have panic attacks anytime I had to leave the house to go to work. Um, because I was so scared that I was going to screw up, screw up at my job that I would panic about all of the social interactions I was about to have with my students. And then while I was at work, I would have panic attacks about any interaction where someone said they needed to talk to me because it would trigger this idea that I was always in trouble, even mm. though I wasn't. Um, I would spiral and spiral and spiral. Um, I couldn't maintain a relationship for more than a couple of months. Um, mm. I didn't have very many friends. I kept people at an arm's length. Uh, I very proudly owned the mask of, I don't need anybody, so don't come to me because I don't need you. Mm -hmm. um, so I was very isolated and just stuck in my loops and very, very dense. I think I mentioned last episode how I went to someone who so tried to sell me like a $200 crystal to clear all my negative negativity. And, um, that was kind of when I was taking class that had just started way showers and things like that. And it was one of those things where I didn't realize how much of a negative mindset I was in. Like I had been running my clearing statements, but there were still loops that were coming up. But what I didn't realize at the time was those loops that kept coming up in my life weren't mine. Mm -hmm. They were my walk-ins. Mm -hmm. And so I would keep repeating these loops. I couldn't make a decision. Um, it was just one of those things where before I had my walk-in removed and I'll talk to, like, if I talk to people who knew me before that, like, they tell you that I've done a complete 180. Like, I'm a very different person than I was. Um, 
I laugh more. Um, I used to be very, very, very serious. Like I didn't have room in my life or time, time in my life to devote time for me. Like I was very much, everything has to be done for other people and I wouldn't take time for myself. Mm -hmm. And so then I went to Caitlin and kind of, I didn't, expect to kind of bring up my walk-in as quickly as I did because I had done some of the truth testing and I had truth tested and I was like truth am I alone in my body and I had gotten a no and I was truth do I have a walk-in and I had gotten a yes and I was like well I've heard Caitlin talk about walk-ins for the past year maybe it's time I take a look at what this really is and what it would look like for me to shift it hmm. So we went into our session and we were talking and she's like, well, what do you think you want to work on? And I was like, well, you've mentioned walk-ins and it keeps coming up for me and it keeps sticking. And I was like, so I'd like to look and see if I have a walk-in and what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So she's like, well, I want you to truth test it. So we went through the truth testing and the way she does her sessions is, you know, she walks you through how to remove it. Mm -hmm. And so went through the truth testing and she goes, so I'm going to throw this one at you. And this one's going to sound a little strange. And I was like, and it took me, and I, I, I kind of like hesitated a moment. I was like, well, I'm in her classes. I'm already in strange world. Nothing could sound that strange. (laughs) We had even gotten to the section about walk-ins and Mm -hmm. she goes, I want you to truth test another thing for me. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm going to do that. And she goes, truth are you the walk-in and I Mm -hmm. like I had this moment where I was like what no 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 no. people get walk-ins people aren't walk-ins and like I had Mm -hmm. heard her talking about like original occupants and things like that and I was like not me and so I ran through I did the truth testing and I was like truth am I the walk-in and immediately got a yes and I was like I don't know what this means. Like, what does it mean if I'm the walk-in? And Mm -hmm. I actually kind of had this like small panic moment where I was like, well, if I'm the walk-in, am I even supposed to be here? Am I about to be crossed over? Oh, wow. Like, and that was kind of like the first like couple of thoughts to run through my head. And then Caitlin kind of, I don't know if she sensed it or whatever, but she was like, here's the thing. We need to cross over your original occupant. And immediately I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we talked about kind of why I was brought in because we had to look at the cord that was with my my family line. And it feels weird to call it my family line, but it is my family. Like in this lifetime. So my family line in this lifetime Mm -hmm. um, and how I was contracted in. And so one of the things, and I've had a lot of problems with, my uterus and my cervix and things like that and turns out that's a running theme down the family line especially the mother line Mm -hmm. and so we kind of talked about a little bit about how I grew up and things like that and one of the things that we talked about was how um, the women in the family line have lots of kids even if they don't want lots of kids it's like they just can't stop having kids Mm -hmm. and then they either parent like helicopter parents or they're very distant. So it's like, there's no like moderate level for how they parent and how they 
like give their children energy and build and clear and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I was contracted it to come into my family line and clear that up. And it's really interesting because my entire life, I've told everyone in my family, I am not having kids. Hmm. Like hard no on the kids thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a soft no now, but it's still a no. Yeah. Like the idea of having kids doesn't feel expansive for me, but that's an entirely different thing. And there's probably layers there that I still need to clear attached mm-hmm. to that family line. But so what we did was we had to remove the cord and that was the first cord I had ever removed with my mom. Okay. And so that was a really interesting cord to remove because it would like, it held that data set about like how to parent and how we bring kids through. Mm -hmm. And once we cleared that cord, we removed the cord between my original occupant and I, and we Mm -hmm. crossed her over. And it was a very, very strange feeling. I remember after my walk-in was crossed over, looking down at my hands and just being like, fuck, are those my hands? Like, is this really what my hands look like? Hmm. And then like, I looked down at my feet and I was like, wow, those are what my feet look like. Because I had only been occupying such a small space in my body. Oh, wow. So you had full awareness. I had... I had full awareness of what my body was and what it was like to be in my body for the very first time, because I was, I was born with my original occupant. It wasn't like I had my body as my own for a short time. It was Mm -hmm. the first time I was truly the only energetic being in this vessel. And let me tell you, that is a trippy feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd say I can imagine, but only partially. Like, it's just, it was very strange. And then I remember, like, because I remember I had seen, like, I had talked to Dallas when she had her walk-in removed and things like that. And I remember her before and after pictures. And I was like, I wonder if I look different. Yeah. And immediately I was, like, looking in the mirror because we had been doing all of those body exercises. And I was like, I don't understand why I can't connect to my body. That's why. And that was why I couldn't connect to my body. And so it got to the point where I realized, one, I'm tall as hell. Two, I was not as, like, big and fat as I thought I was. Like, I thought I weighed, like, 300 gazillion pounds, but I'm, like, this big. Um, And then my face was really thin. Like, I didn't realize how thin my face could be until I looked at that. And now I look at pictures from before my walk-in was removed and now, and my face still looks so much thinner in my pictures now versus my pictures then. And now that I've had my walk-in removed, um, and that's what I'm going to call it for now, just to keep things simple. Um, Once I had my walk-in removed, I dropped a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. I was finally able to clear a lot of those loops. Um, I didn't have a panic attack before leaving the house anymore. My, my anxiety is like all but gone. It only happens very rarely when I get overloaded because I'm filtering too much for other people. Mm-hmm. I still have some of my OCD tics, but they're not nearly as bad. Mm-hmm. Like I can go to bed now without checking that the door is locked. Whereas before I would get up three, four times a night because I was worried that the door wasn't locked and I would lock it six or seven times. Wow. Now I can just go to bed. 
right? I used to not be able to leave a pile of dishes in the sink. My kitchen is a goddamn disaster. And you can see it. <laughs> you can see it. <laughs> but it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. Like, there's, there's still some things that every once in a while I feel like I have to, like, consciously, consciously remember that this is my body and that it's it's my vessel and that I'm, I'm the only person using it. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole hell of a lot easier now to kind of check back into where I am versus where I was. Yeah. And I like, if you ask people now, like they'll tell you I'm a lot happier than I was, that I'm a lot less serious. And it shifted the way like my relationship with my mom is like, my mom and I, before I had my walk-in removed, like, weekly Skype sessions. Like, if I didn't Skype with her during the weekend, I was definitely calling during the week. Mm-hmm. And now, if I don't call during the week, I don't call during the week. If we don't Skype, we don't Skype. But I think, like I said, the biggest shift was between my sister and I when that cord was removed. Like, it was like, boom. And our relationship went from, like, eh, to, like, woo, this is nice. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah so it's it's been a big shift and that was when I realized that it really worked and now it's like really nice because now I'm very aware of where I'm at in my body it's still every once in a while I'll look at my hands and be like damn <laughs> <laughs> but um I have like one of my coworkers. one day we were ta- all like he and I were just talking and I was like I'm a spirit in a human meat suit mm-hmm and like, he was like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, wait until I tell you my story. <laughs> I was like, trust me, it gets weirder. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's, that's what it was like for me when I had my walk-in removed. And I know you had one removed as well. Yes. Yeah, I did. I, so I, was, I was not an original occupant. Um, I had a walk-in. Mm-hmm. and what's what's interesting is so you said that you you never knew your body as its own before the walk-in mm-hmm. so I believe my walk-in came in when I was like six okay so I had basically I, my mom and I were in a, a car accident and mm-hmm. I believe I was knocked unconscious and that is when the walk-in came in. Okay. So basically the disincarnated soul found the matching energy and was like, Hey, let me come over here and see what's going on. Yeah. And we joined forces. (laughs) Um, I love that way of describing a vibrational match. I'm going to use that to describe that to people now. Yeah. It's like, Hey, what's going on over here? Um, so yeah, so, so six mm-hmm. was when it happened and kind of looking back, like a lot of the things that happened around that time make sense. Cause it was really, there was lots of, lots of turmoil. I, um, was living, so my, my parents divorced when I was really, really young mm-hmm. and I was living with my mom. And she was really badly injured in the accident. So I couldn't live with her anymore. Mm -hmm. So I went to live with my dad and 
when I went to live with my dad, it was really difficult. What I now realize for several reasons. So part of it was the energy in my body was literally freaking out. Yeah. But second, I was living with a different parent. We had moved two or three times because he was in the military. Yeah. And it was just a lot of adjustment all at once, particularly for a six or seven year old. Yeah. So I ended up having, I don't want to say like, but basically just issues, issues in school, trying to, you know, make new friends and meet people and, and just figure, figure life out as a child. Yeah. I think it became really apparent because I was always as a, as a eight, nine year old, always a really, really big tomboy. Yeah. And I had no interest in dresses. I had no interest in pink. I had no interest in anything frilly. It was, mm -hmm. I don't want to go through puberty. I don't want to get a sports bra. I don't want to shave anything. I don't want to, like, I was very anti-everything girl. Yeah. But I actually went through puberty really, really early. Interesting. And always had really bad problems with menstrual cycles, cramps, irregular menstrual cycles. Like all of it was crazy. I was on like 800 milligram Motrin and birth control at 16 to try and regulate stuff. Jesus. And it turned out that my system was freaking out because as I was going through puberty, my walk-in was a male. Oh, shit. <laughs> so being a tomboy made sense. That made so much sense. Oh, I shit. I liked dark colors. I didn't want to wear any dresses. All I want, I, like, I literally shopped in men's stores because that's what I liked. So, like, my entire upbringing, like, and my parents were like, yeah, that's what she likes. It's cool. Let's, you know, as long as she's happy. So I was an amazing athlete. I loved doing all the things that I did and I was yeah. good at them, but I just, I was never girly. And when, um, and yeah, and I always just always was okay having the menstrual issues. I was tested for several things and it just kind of became the normal. Yeah. Some months you had a period, some months you didn't and you just lived with it. And you knew you were having debilitating cramps and you just dealt with it. Um, but yeah, so two, was it two years ago now? No, it was like a, a year and some months ago is when I was introduced to Caitlin. Mm -hmm. And the person that I saw who referred me to her said, oh, you have a male energy that's really close to you. You might you might want to look into that. I was like, okay. So then I had the session with Caitlin and she said, well, she's, you know, what are, what are we here for? And I said, well, I was told I have a male energy. I'm trying to figure out what it is, where it came from. Can you help? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, you have a male energy. Let's talk about disincarnated souls. So I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> and it was literally like, a, a, 
right yeah it was a crash course i'm like all right so let's fix it <laughs> and um yeah he was not ready to go Ooh, that's a rough one yeah he was not ready to go he was very comfortable and very friendly but was not ready to go so we didn't completely cut the cord but we removed his energy from mine so he could okay. still stay close and serve as the protector because mm -hmm. he had protected me in several situations in my life yeah and I was okay with that just as long as he wasn't in my actual energetic body so we did the thing he was removed and I don't think I noticed it until after like a few months after but I noticed that I wasn't turned off by being a girl oh yeah I, I noticed that the things that I was wearing just basic clothing choices had shifted mm -hmm. I realized that I wasn't wearing as many dark colors by default I noticed that my default wasn't pants like I was not only okay with wearing a dress or a skirt but wanted to do that and I realized that like just my thinking about my body it wasn't like a, a detestation of the body yeah it was a, okay this is where we are I can look at this and I can appreciate it for what it is instead of being like, I hate this. This is too big. This is too small. Why is this, this like, it wasn't a, it was, it was a different type of view for mm -hmm. like my body and what it does and what it is. Um, and I also realized that I kind of started to relate to different people differently. Yeah. Um, just like you were saying, less angry, less serious more um laughing more mm. smiling more um just light-hearted wanting to play yeah and i think a lot of that had to do with clearing as well but the the walk-in removal completely just jump-started that um sure. but yeah it was it was it was the craziest thing because it was a it was a male energy and like my life up until a year and a half ago, well, between the age of six and a year and a half ago was us, us in the same body. Yeah. But, you know, before that happened, I loved pink. I was a little girl. I had the barrettes and I had the braids and I like, I liked all of that. And then once he joined, it was none of it. Complete 180. So I'm not, I'm not back to like 100% give me pink, give me lace, because that's not happening. But <laughs> we're not there. <laughs> me because I'm sitting here, I was like, I've been a girl my entire life, and I've never liked pink or frilly things. <laughs> like, do I have a male walk-in? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, I think I've just been male in a lot of lifetimes. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I I definitely have. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes I catch myself, and 
I'll have a thought or I'll go to do something. Cause like my default is like sweats and a t-shirt. Oh yeah. That's like all I, all I have that's, you know, not professional attire. And mm-hmm. I catch myself and I'm like, is this really all I own? <laughs> do I need to go shopping? Why, why do I only have oversized sweats, oversized basketball shorts and oversized t-shirts? Something is wrong here. Tell you what, when we go to Banff in Hawaii, we're going to go shopping together and we're going to help each other find clothes that we both like. (laughs) But (laughs) I think that's the one thing too, like most of my clothes that I have now are from before I had my walk-in removed and I look at them and I'm like, this isn't me. Like, this isn't my style at all. And like, I'm gradually working to like building my own style and getting my own clothes. Like I wear a hell of a lot more color than I used to. Like my wardrobe used to be gray, black, navy. That was it. Now I have bright red pants. Oh, wow. I'm not there yet. yet. No, no, no. Actually I have a pair of Cause I wore I wore them on um on Friday. What color are those pants? They're like maroon, like a wine color. They're really yeah. Yeah, I have like a wine colored pair of pants. I have a teal pair of pants. Like I have a pink pair of pants. Um, (laughs) I've started to wear color, guys. Um, (laughs) But But, yeah, but but, like in all honesty, that's that is very serious. That is very serious. When you go through and you're wearing oh, this is the color I'm wearing. This is how I'm comfortable. Like, I didn't like clothes that showed off my body. Oh, never. Yeah, no. You you could not, could not get me into a V-neck shirt. I would not wear a V-neck shirt. Now I'm like, look at me. And then, <laughs> like, like, my default used to be um, jeans and a really baggy t-shirt and, re- like, not even, like, form-fitting jeans, like, baggy fucking jeans. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm I'm in skinny jeans or like form fitted pants. Yeah. I ne- oh, you used to not get me into a body contrast. No yeah. way in hell you could get me in one of those. I wear one almost every day for work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I the one thing I've noticed I'd say with way showers too mm-hmm. was the color is is my desire to wear more color. It's not even a, and eh, let me just wear this because it's clean. It's a, I want to wear pink today. I want to wear purple. I want to wear the pattern. I want to wear the striped blazer because it's going to make me stick out. Wait, what? You want to stick out? Yeah, I want to stick out. Why not? But like, that never would have happened. I I I never would have sought out the color white even just like a white t-shirt but like to wear white because I felt like white drew attention Mm -hmm. and it was anything to do the most to not have attention on you (laughs) yeah right I think the one thing that I've really noticed since I got rid of my walk-in is I'm okay with people seeing me yeah and like I'm okay with about me when I had my walk-in it was like don't look at me don't talk to me don't pay attention to me and Mm -hmm. I think that's the really big thing about like having walk-ins is like it's almost like when you have a walk-in the walk-in doesn't want anyone to draw attention to you because they don't want to be noticed yeah yep that feels like an interesting thread to chase 
another time. <laughs> yeah, but, no, this, that's, that's big. Have you, have you had other, like other experiences? So not like, not nearly as big as the walk-in removal, but like other, other pivotal times where it's like, oh, that did work. My PTSD loops. Cool. Oh, okay. My PTSD loops are, man, you and Nicole are freaking amazing because here, here's, here's the thing and I, I'm going to be completely candid and honest with this because you know, that's who I am. Um, about four years ago, I went through a sexual assault and the crazy thing about it is I don't remember a whole lot of the details with it. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I have bits and pieces, but it doesn't really stick. Like when it happened, I didn't know that was what had happened to me until I was talking to a friend about it. And that mm -hmm. friend was like, Kelly, um, that's rape. And I was like, but no, I was drunk and I, uh, and like, I took the blame for it. And I didn't realize how much of that had registered in my energy field mm -hmm. until, um, I would, what was it? We cleared that beginning of end of July, beginning of August. Yeah. So I had kind of gone through Wayshores and after I had my walk-in removed, it was really interesting because I met this guy and we hung out for a while and he was really, really cool. And one of the things that he really helped with was he triggered a lot of stuff to help me clear a lot of layers that were built on top of my PTSD loops. Mm -hmm. Didn't really, like the PTSD loops would trigger, but because of all the other stuff on top of them, I couldn't recognize them as PTSD loops, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yep. So once I had cleared all of those layers, um, he and I had kind of stopped seeing each other. We kind of drifted apart. And that's fine. I'm cool with that. I appreciate everything that he was. And, you know, every once in a while he pops back up in my life and that's cool. I'm mm -hmm. fine with that. But that cordon contract is done and I'm fully grateful for it. And I need to go through and collapse the Akashics because it's ready to get, to be let go. Mm -hmm. So after we'd stopped seeing each other, I had um, gone on this date and we had ended up coming back to like my house just to hang out and talk because where we had been was closed. Like, like they had closed for the night cause we had gone out for drinks. Mm -hmm. And so I remember he leaned over to try and kiss me. And all of a sudden I panic attack central mm -hmm. immediately like freaking out. And I got up and I walked, like I just got up and walked away from him and went in my bathroom and just sat there for a good like 10 minutes, full on panic attack, hyperventilating and crying. And I came back and I was like, I'm so sorry, I need you to go. Mm -hmm. And like, he was really cool about it and he left. And then like the next day he texted me to see if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And then um, I didn't know how to handle the fact and this is something that I should have done some clearing on instead of doing what I did. Um, I didn't know how to handle telling him that I couldn't be around him because I didn't know if it was something with him that had triggered that emotional response or if it was something else. Mm -hmm. And so I just ended up ghosting him, which was not very kind of me. And I admit that. So sorry, sir. Um, <laughs> a couple weeks later, 
ended up going on another date and we were talking and he dropped me off and he went to kiss me goodnight and it happened again. Complete mm. panic attack. Um, he ended up leaving, like, kissed me goodnight. I went in the house, had a panic attack. And some of them, what I could remember started to resurface and I was mm. freaking out and I was like, I need to get rid of this. So I hopped in the shower and I was trying to scrub it off. Like I was trying to scrub the panic and the, the memory off of my body. And that was my first response because I was like, I don't know how to clear this loop on my own. I can't move this on my own. Mm-hmm. And so that was when I had put the post in the group about the loops. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm fine. It's, I'll just run some clearing statements. I'll be good to go. And then kind of the week before we had done the loops, um, I'd gone on yet another date because, you know, I'm single, I date. Um, (laughs) So I'd gone on this this, like third date and had hung out with this person. And I was like, I can't go on a date until I figure out what's going on in my field. Like, it's obviously not the guys, it's me. And there's Mm -hmm. something I need to clear. And that was when we scheduled everything. And so we went through and you and Nicole were amazing at this. I have no words to explain how much I appreciate it because not once have I had a trigger from it since. Mm -hmm. Um, But so we went through, we talked about it, we cleared out the loop. And as we were clearing it, you know, you guys figured out that it wasn't originating from that trajectory that I thought it was. It was actually originating from a different kind of source of PTSD from when I had had a stalker, which is crazy to me because I didn't think about how damaging that that experience was as, you know, a first relationship. Mm -hmm. So then I had this kind of period of time where I was a little hesitant to try and go on a date because I was like I don't know if I'm going to get triggered and I finally got to the point where um I'd been talking to this guy for about a week and he seemed really really cool and I was like okay I have to try this like if I don't try it I'm never gonna do it Mm -hmm. so we ended up hanging out on a Saturday and now I've been seeing him for two weeks like I'll be no triggers, not a single one. I mean, there are triggers, but not for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- different triggers. D- different. <laughs> he, he is a boy. <laughs> yes, but it's not. It's not like I feel like um, I'm not safe anymore. Like I don't have this idea that he's going to hurt me for you know a decision I make or any kind of that like kind of a emotional manipulation that I had gone through before. Mm-hmm. So completely trigger free there and Mm -hmm. it has been amazing it's like because one of the things too was like that was a really big source of anxiety for me and it was part of the reason that I had originally started to go to therapy because I was like I don't know who to talk to about this like I didn't feel like I could talk to my family about it and I mean this is the first time I've ever really publicly talked about it like before this, I could count the number of people who knew what happened to me on two hands. Mm-hmm. And now that I released this, like, it's going to go out there. And now I have a little bit of anxiety about it. But I think it's really important because it changed so much about my life and how I dealt with people. And now it's like, 
I get to rewrite my story about that. And it's so mm. much more empowering to not have those loops. Yes. Yep. Like, yeah. so that's another thing that's been really big for me. Like, um, so that's how I knew it worked for me. Is there another big moment for you? Yeah, I actually, I had, um, so they're both, both tied to, to Reiki. Mm-hmm. I, um, I found out what it was and I was like, okay, let me check it out. And I went home to, uh, to California mm-hmm. and I found a lady that was by where my mom lives. And I said, okay, well, you know, it's a reasonable price. Let me go see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I went, she told me what she was going to do. I laid there for an hour and I went home and yeah. like nothing happened. I was like, okay, well, at least it wasn't too expensive. That's fine. Yeah. The next three days I cried. Ooh. literally the next three days spontaneous waterworks I was a wreck I didn't know what was was going on my mom was like what are you doing she was freaking out (laughs) and the like the lady said oh well your your throat chakra is blocked Hmm. I'm like huh okay it was like your throat and your heart and I said okay okay cool whatever that means and then three days later I'm I'm bawling so she moved something and yeah. it definitely needed to come out because I like I, I started talking to my mom about some things which you know that doesn't happen so that was kind yeah. of the beginning the beginning of sharing what I'm going through or what I'm feeling in, in a certain moment so that was cool but the the big big kicker was when I went through my Reiki one training. Yeah. And the first part of that, like you received the the Reiki energy, and yeah. I literally I don't even know how to describe it. Like it was a complete out of body experience, but I I cried and I cried. And I cried, like I just purged. I could not stop crying. My body just freaked out because it was, it was like it just been like a roto rooter had just gone through my system. Yeah. And just it flushed everything out. And like I just, my body just freaked. So after that, you you hear you hear people talk about uh, what's called a healing crisis. Yeah. And it could be anything from, you know, your sleep pattern changes, you have mood swings, or, you know, you might get headaches or something. And they tell you just rest, drink some water, everything will be fine. Well, I was severely sick for three weeks. And I I went to urgent care twice. Yeah. They did x-rays. They gave me prescriptions. They could not diagnose me. They Ooh. said it. They said it was a bronchitis-like virus, and that just take what they prescribed, and I'd have to wait it out. 
And I was like, so I'm not sleeping. I'm coughing. I'm congested. I feel like I'm going to die. And you're just telling me to wait it out. Like, yeah, that's not acceptable. <laughs> so, yeah, right there. Just, yeah, you know, just, just don't die. You'll be fine. Yeah. Just give it a month. You'll be fine. You'll breathe. It's fine. <laughs> if not, you've got two lungs. You only need one. Wait, um, you need one lung? You, you can live on a partial lung, so maybe one and a half. This is new information. Sorry, that is completely out of what you're talking about, and that's the piece I pick up. Apparently, you can live with one lung. Okay. You haven't heard of people having pieces of their lung cut off? No, I know you can live with half a liver. I didn't know you could live with only part of a lung. I mean, the tissue, the tissue some of the tissue recycles eventually, but yeah, the, people have pieces of their lungs cut off. What? We'll talk later. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. My um, mind is blown. <laughs> anyway, back to your story about going to Reiki to fix your 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 lung dying. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. So what what ended up happening is I um was introduced to essential oils, and okay. that's actually what saved me because the medication did not work. But yeah, like I, I felt like I was on my deathbed for three weeks because the energy just screwed everything up. And eventually I was fine. I started using essential oils regularly. Mm -hmm. And after, after a couple of weeks of like my body kind of balancing out, I realized how much better I felt. Mm -hmm. I realized that I... I felt lighter, which was interesting because I had gained weight because I hadn't, I hadn't been exercising. I'd been eating whatever I mm -hmm. could find in sight just because I felt so bad. But like, I felt lighter and I felt happier and I felt just better about everything. And then I actually had a session with a, a psychic and he, uh -huh. he, he said he cleared something and I was sick for a week after that as well. Another like healing crisis situation. Jeez. So my body had a lot that it was holding on to uh -huh. that just went through long bouts of clearing and flushing things out. But when I tell you, I felt better afterwards, like that's the truth. So I have, I have a random question that comes up as, as, as a healer hearing that. Do you think you had such a crisis because you weren't involved in the clearing? Mm, no, I don't think that was it. Oh. I was, I was, I was definitely, so I, I didn't know what to expect. So like when, like in all of the Reiki, Reiki training, like when you, when you go through it, you don't see what the, the master is doing in that process. And if you don't know anything about it, you just know something is happening. And knowing that something could happen would have been a little, I think, easier for me. Like not anticipating something like your body freaking out, but just knowing that something could happen. Like you might not, 
process this the same as the next person Mm -hmm. and just having that awareness that would have been extremely helpful for me because I literally thought I was dying (laughs) it's it's just so interesting to me because the way we do things is so involved that to not be told what you're doing and how you're working to help someone heal feels very strange to me. And I mean that it may work for some people. Some people may not want to know what's going on, but if you're removing something from my field, like, please tell me. (laughs) I, I'm one of those people I have to know because I think it's one of those things. It's like the level of trust you have to have for someone who's not telling you what they're doing with your field is a level of trust I'm not sure I'm comfortable with. Like, man, if you notice something in my field and you're like, oh, let me just filter that real quick, fine, that's no big deal. But if it's something that's big that's shifting, like, I want to know because I feel like that's how you can prepare for things. Yeah. Yeah, I do do wonder what I could have done if anything, to, pre- to prepare, like, or at least to educate myself more. We, like, I had a book that I was reading and read it cover to cover after this situation happened. Yeah. Um, and, like, found out about, you know, healing crisis and people react differently. But I feel like there's, there's no real way to know how someone's going to react with, I mean, any type of energy work. Yeah. Because you don't know what people are holding on to. You don't know what they've been in all their lifetimes. You don't know how they live in their daily life if it's like a first time client. So it's it's hard to predict how they or their bodies would respond. I mean, I think the one thing that we we've harped on this whole time is having a support system and having a community yeah. when you are doing this type of work. Um because you 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 don't really ever know 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wish it didn't happen the way it did. Cause I was, like I said, miserable, but I'm glad, I'm glad it happened. So I can talk about it and let people know that there can be extremes. Yeah, for sure. There are also ways that you can prepare your body. You can prepare yourself by education. You can, ask questions of, you know, whatever practitioner you're working with. Yeah. You know, kind of, I don't want to say ease the blow, but, you know, ease your body's reaction to, to get back to your, um, your set point. Yeah. I feel like it just makes it easier for you to understand what's going on in your body. Because if I didn't know that I would freaked out and I would have net for me, I feel like that would have sent me away from energy work. Like I wouldn't have come back to it. Like I would have been like, Nope. Yeah. Felt like shit for a while, not doing that. But yeah. well, I think I, well, what's funny is so in in the um the Reiki one, you get two attunements. Well, See, the, well okay, I haven't done the, my Reiki, so I wouldn't know. The that. way, yeah, the the way that I was taught, you get two attunements for level one, and then level two, level three are are one each. Huh. So after that first attunement, I was like in the fetal position, in the corner. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, okay, we're going to do the second attunement, you know, after lunch, after our break. And I'm like, you're not touching me. (laughs) I'm not doing that again. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, obviously I ended up doing it, um, several times over since I went all the way through, 
but yeah, it's just that that it was almost traumatizing, but I'm I'm glad I went through it to see to understand what my body was holding. Yeah. For sure. I think I think the other thing too is like I'm very aware of myself. Like it's weird cuz I and I know you're not supposed to compare oops. Um <laughs> dropping stuff. I know you're not supposed to compare your journey to other people's journeys, but I it's really interesting to me because I look at where like everybody else is in like our group and where everybody else is in their life. Mm -hmm. And I always, there's this moment that it hits me and I always feel so young. I do too. Like with everybody being married and having kids and all of these things. Like I think of most people in their thirties and here I am at 20, I'm 27 I'm doing this journey I'm 27 years old and out of I think everybody in our decode class I think I might be the youngest yeah you are and like I I have no problem with that but it's it's so interesting to me because you know we talk a lot about and this can be something that we talk about more in depth in a later episode, but we talk a lot about how like younger people are waking up faster and differently. And I'm like, well, am I on the cusp of that like younger generation waking up faster or am I still part of that other generation that's still kind of taking its time to wake up? But it's one of those things where it's interesting when I had my astrology reading with Holly, she's like, yeah, you went through your dark night of soul real early. And I was like, great. And she's like, check that box. Don't have to do that again for a while. Um, But it's been really interesting because I've had, like, when I've gone, when I went to the palm reader, it was, oh, you've already done so much in your life. Now it's just time for you to actually, like, go and do it. And it Mm -hmm. honestly felt like getting into my journey, I was just kind of dragging my heels a little bit Mm -hmm. because I I didn't know what it was going to be or what it would do. But now that I do it, it's so different. Like, I think the other thing too, and when I work with people, like I think one of my biggest success stories right now is my parents' dog and my younger brother. And those two shouldn't, like, you wouldn't (laughs) simply put your brother on the same level as your dog unless you really love your dog or you really hate your brother. But I mean, I love them both pretty equally, but my brother had three walk-ins. Okay, wow. And it was, we cleared three of his walk-ins. So the first two were like, get us the hell out of here. We're ready. The third one wasn't quite ready to go. And um, it was really interesting because I was like, well, what is it? And I was like, is it a parasite? And then we did some more truth testing. And he was like, oh, it's another walk-in. I was like, I'm not touching that one. Mm -hmm. And so um, ended up, we cleared his two walk-ins, crossed them over. And now they're on his team, which is cool. But um, the third walk-in wasn't ready to go. And it's really interesting because his walk-ins came in with him at birth, but they're, it's not like an original occupant thing. It was a courted and contracted thing where they're like, we're never going to leave each other. And I was like, oh God. But um, so we crossed them over. And then about a week and a half or so later, he texted me. He's like, I think my other walk-in's ready to go. Hmm. And I made the joke and I was like, maybe it's because it's tired of you. 
and like just being that that like nitpicky older sister thing and then we cross that over and since we've done that he's getting light language he's getting um new collectives coming forward he's it, it, like he can clear things and it just he's so much faster yeah that's really cool texted me the other day he goes i'm so happy i was like oh. cool i'm yeah. glad and then um my parents adopted a dog back in may and he had ptsd loops up the wazoo he had um tech in his body he had implants he had entity attachments he had a walk-in he had cords and contracts and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of just crap Mm -hmm. and it was really interesting because at first when I like first met he wouldn't come near me Mm -hmm. not come near me when I went to visit my parents and so the first night I was there I was sitting in my room with my other brother (laughs) so my younger brother and I were sitting in the room and I was like, I can't get him to talk to me. I can't like, he's not ready to work with me. I guess I'm not going to touch him this week. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where my brother was like, I have an idea. And I was like, well, what's your idea? He's like, why don't I help you help Max? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, tell me what to do and I'll do it the best I can and tell you what I'm getting to help him see that you're actually a helper. Oh, okay. And it was so sweet. So like, while I don't do Reiki, right, I can see where the energy is pooling in the body and things like that. So mm-hmm. I taught my brother how to track where the energy was in the body and see where there were little blocks. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't realize what the blocks were, but I was like, I want you to go to this block and I want you to tell me what it feels like when you touch it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, why do I have to do that? I was like, because it gives me an idea of what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, they're everywhere. You know, he's like, he's got a warm spot here and another warm spot here. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, I want you to touch those warm spots. And um, I drew a, um, a piece of light language on a piece of paper. And I was like, try and trace this pattern on those spots the best you can. Mm. And so we did that. And so... Then once he kind of did that, um, the dog finally came up to me and was like, okay, you can pet me now. Mm -hmm. And so as I was petting him, he started to trigger into a PTSD loop and it was a PTSD loop. And it was really interesting. It was an Akashic loop, but Mm -hmm. it came across as a PTSD loop. And I was like, that's really interesting that you're having this repetition from a human lifetime. Let's focus on just being a dog right now. Mm-hmm. And so went through, cleared and cleared and cleared and cleared and cleared and moved stuff that we could while he was in that mode. And then I was like, I'm exhausted. I can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. We'll come at this again tomorrow. And the next day I'm outside, I'm talking with my mom and um, they have two dogs and both dogs are outside playing. And my mom goes, watch the way he plays with Bailey because there's something wrong there. And I was like, okay, fine. So he starts playing with the other dog and like, things start to go and go and go. And I was like, that's really weird that there's something coming off and out of Max every time he goes to play. Oh. So he had an entity and it was really interesting because it was a demonic. And I was like, this is weird. I've never seen a dog with a demonic entity attachment. And so I was like, okay, 
let me see what the demonic wants to do because I don't know if the demonic wants to break this contract because I'm not going to move this unless that's ready to go. Mm -hmm. So the moment I was like, Hey, I see you. It was like the dog stopped and the demonic stopped like in sync, just one right next to the other. And I was like, do you want to cross over? And I got a big old yes. And I was like, okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. And I ended up crossing over not one, but two or three of those entities. And I was like, what the hell? This dog has so much. And so as we started to clear things, I started like the dog started talking to me more, started to get more of a story. He didn't know how to filter out what he was doing for his humans. So he was taking what was attaching to them and just keeping it. Wow. 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 Couldn't send it back. And I was like, okay, here's how we send it back. Here's how we send it back. And so anytime he would start to filter for us, he would start to keep what he was filtering. And I was like, no, 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 just send it back. And I was like, here's what I'm going to tell. And like, he even started to try and filter for me. I was like, don't filter for me. I can filter for myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, let's just focus on how to send it back and send it back and send it back and send it back. And he's a lot better now, but there's still work to be done. But if you look at a picture of him, when I first started working with him to when I left, Mm -hmm. it's a completely different dog. Wow. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's really cool. Yeah. Now should charge my parents. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, it was a great, to, like you don't realize how much you can do until you're actually doing it yeah but yeah it's it's crazy how much this works yeah I I just I continue to be amazed and I mean like 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 you said your brother was just like I'm happy yeah and, like you you've I, I found myself walking down a hallway smiling for no reason. I'm like, why am I smiling? I'm, I'm not really doing anything joyful right now. Oh, I'm just happy. Okay. I guess I can just be happy. I think that's okay. (laughs) But it's getting used to the fact like that's possible. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that I've had to get used to, but you know, it's been great. And I have my little buddy here. <laughs> um, it's, it's also crazy to me because as I've done work, um, and you listeners, you don't get to see this, but I have my cat on my lap. Um, but my cat has shifted. Oh, okay. Um, which is really interesting because this is not our first life together. It's, mm-hmm. We've been through many, many times. And I always joke with him about cutting the cord when he makes me mad, which is really, <laughs> he doesn't like it. I need to stop. <laughs> but like, he just kind of looks at me like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. And he stops <laughs> doing what I don't want him to do. But he just, he's my little buddy. But yeah, so um, I feel like we've been talking for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I have no problem with that. I mean, we're used to being almost two hours long, so. There you have it. I I grinned like that, (laughs) like they could see that I was making a grin and like a non-apologetic space for taking too long. Um, So I think I did the card pull last week. Oh, yeah, I have. um, Where did they go? I opened up one of the decks that I ordered. 
Ooh. So let's hope they're good. Have you not played with it? No, I haven't. So I've opened two others, uh -huh. but I wanted to open this one because I like the pictures Ooh. on the box. I like so the I haven't pictures. actually. What deck is it? It is called Earth Magic. Ooh, I like the picture on the box. Yeah, she's she's got a lot of, and even even the um like the the picture on the back of the oh do you know oh i love that so much yeah. i i you know it's one of those things that eventually i'm gonna dig into it i want to know why i'm so obsessed with the yigder cell tree oh yeah i i yep yeah me too me too you know what yeah, i actually have a picture on i think on my website of, of the an interpretation of this I am obsessed with it. Like I want a Yggdrasil tree tattoo and I'm going to call it Yggdrasil because I study mythology and calling it the world tree drives me crazy. <laughs> but I also think it's because I work with the Nordic collective a lot. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. I always, I never know what to do when we're shuffling. I'm like, um, I know. I'm like, do I, do I hum? Do I keep talking? Do I focus? <laughs> do I just pull a card and pretend I shuffled? Right. Just, I'm like, just focus. Just focus. It'll happen. It's okay. I talk enough for both of us. So I'll just keep talking and everything <laughs> like that. Um, and also coloring my fish because I started a new page. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, do you want to? I finished this one. Wait, where did it go? Oh my god. Yeah. That's really good. I'm good at coloring in the lines, guys, and figuring out what color looks great. Honestly, I just grab a marker and hope for the best. But also, this is my favorite color, so this fish is going to be super, super awesome. Um, yeah. In case y'all listeners can't tell, I'm actually a five-year-old <laughs> in a 27-year-old body. But hey, <laughs> one of the things we always emphasize is it's important to play. Ooh, I just got the idea that I should buy some Play-Doh. I have modeling clay. You know what's really interesting? What? So I pulled the card and didn't like it. I pulled another card as you were talking about play. Yeah. Then look what comes up. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> That's such a fun card. So it's a card, it's called dance and then it has celebration on it. And it's a, it's actually an African woman who um, she's in her traditional dress for her area and she's dancing like no one's watching um yeah this feels much better than the first card that i pulled <laughs> now i'm curious about what the first card you pulled was the first card was fog oh no yeah i, I, didn't it. I mean i feel like it's applicable to yeah, something it's, it's, it's applicable it just it didn't 
It but I don't, I don't think it's about the podcast. I think no, it's, it's not about our lives. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, oh, we're going to put that off to the side. <laughs> we're going to play with that one after we're done recording, when Shannon right? and I also talk about my issues <laughs> <laughs> and her issues and just life issues in general. And life. Um, okay. Okay, yeah, so dance and celebration. So, yeah, so this this is play. It's not taking things seriously. I think both both Kelly and I have talked about just our ability to sit with ourselves, take time for self-care, take time to just play and be free in the sense of relief that both of us have had with the energy work mm-hmm. and not only the the need to to get out and celebrate and express, but the want to do that is now there. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot holding us back from doing it. Really, it's just us being in our own way. So that's kind of why I like this card. It's, I think it's, it's a, a reminder. Yeah, I think it's also a perfect card because um, just thinking back to yesterday, um, Shannon and I had a circle yesterday with um, at the community that we're a part of. And um, we did, oh, I don't like calling it a ritual because it didn't feel like a ritual to me, but um, we had this like equinox, I'm going to call it an exercise, an equinox exercise that we we were given. And holy cracker jacks, did that remind me so much about the fact that I needed to play. So, um, you know, we're recording this, the what day is today? the 24th so the day after the fall equinox and it's just the energy today compared to how I was feeling yesterday is so much lighter and I that's part of the reason that I've spent today coloring um mm-hmm. it's something that I realized I haven't done for myself in a while so I'm going back and finding a way to create time for myself and I think that card is a perfect way to talk about that um mm-hmm. So I think before we sign off, I want to issue a challenge this week. Um, Find one thing and set aside like an hour a day to do something that brings you joy and just lights you up because I don't think we do enough of that. And I think that's something we need to start doing more of because we can't shift if we don't light ourselves up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I shuddered a little bit when you said an hour but <laughs> like, oh my God, it sounds like so much time. It um, does sound like so much time. But when you think about how, like, I'm just thinking about my day, my entire day. So just looking at today, I had students from eight o'clock in the morning until 1230 this afternoon. And then I had another student come in that needed help at 1.30. So I had an hour that I could have taken a lunch break. And instead of doing that, I worked through lunch mm-hmm. and then I didn't get a break at 1.30 because that student ended up being here, being in my office until four. So that gave me an hour left of work. And then Mm -hmm. I had another student come in. So I didn't even have an hour to get done what I needed to do for my day. Mm -hmm. So an hour, while it sounds really long, is not long at all. Yeah. No, no, no. And and even if you break it up into two 30-minute chunks, like... Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you're taking time to either clear your mind or 
just do something for yourself. Yeah. Like that, you just notice such a big difference. Yeah. So that, I'm going to give podcast homework. That is your podcast homework for this (laughs) week. Find an hour a day to just do something for you. Um, And I want to say thanks for listening. I'm Kelly from A Guiding Light. And I am Shannon from SNS Wellness. And my cat is meowing to say goodbye as well. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Bye.